Hey, you're listening to Lit After Dark, the podcast where three English teachers nerd out while they analyze Netflix's dark. This week, we watched the series finale, season three, episode eight, Paradise. Claudia finally reveals the true origin of all the suffering we've seen, another world that spawned the two we have been watching. Adam puts away his quarrel with Eve and embraces her. And Jonas and Martha, a perfect match, finally end the infinite, endless struggle of their worlds and save Tannhaus' children in the origin world. All that, plus our analytical takes on this episode of Lit After Dark. Well, we've made it. We've done it. It's done. We finished the show and the podcast. Never thought we'd get here. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done. The nebulous they. Yeah, I was like, who's they? <laughs> and right at the end here, we actually have uh, a last couple of emails before Dark is done. Would you like to hear them? Yes. I would. So... Uh, one is from, I believe, probably the same guy that reviewed us. His name is Joel. He said that he wouldn't—he didn't have anyone in his life to watch with, uh, as neither did I. So I <laughs> had to enjoy it with you guys, and he got to enjoy it vicariously with us as well. So that's very nice. And we got another one from a man from Northern Ireland named Ooh, Gareth. Nice, Gareth, which is just a cool name. Yes. And he said that he had a lot of fun listening to the show and he thinks that it's really good compared to the other dark podcasts. So that's very nice. High praise. Indeed. And yeah, hopefully you guys keep listening. I can't promise that anything else will be coming after this, but if it does, you know, don't, don't delete it off of whatever podcast app you're doing. (laughs) Maybe a new episode will (laughs) pop up at some point, but tell tell me maybe having a baby very soon. So there may be, May. Jeez, I don't like the uncertainty that you're putting in there. (laughs) No, well, you are, but not you, technically. Your wife. True. I I get to just stand by. Well, for possibly the last time, I'm Tommy. I'm Josh. And I'm Jen. (laughs) And welcome to Paradise. That is, the real version of Paradise is just our podcast playing for you. I think. I think that's what it really is. (laughs) But we have reached the season finale of Dark. And, you know, before we really get into it, I just kind of want to get, what were your knee-jerk reactions uh, watching this? Mine, it was disappointing. I think because we have been not binging. Because we've been taking our time. All the anticipation was leading to this. And first time through, I had a lot of my my checklist for desires were long, <laughs> and none of those were ticked off. So hmm. that initial reaction was, "Oh, okay, this is not what I was expecting." Second watch was very different, but hmm. yeah, I was in the same place with my first rewatch. I was just deflated just absolutely deflated when i realized that the direction the show was going was not the direction i wanted it to go in terms of what we got to see and the sort of explanations that we got and that really tainted i think my viewing through the first time as well i 
I just remember finishing and talking to you, Josh, and we didn't really talk about many of the specifics, but I just remember being like, really? Really? That's what we got? <laughs> but I, I was in the same place. Um, I was in the same place that upon the second rewatch, I completely changed. I 100% 180. Hmm. What about you, Jen? I loved it the first time through. <laughs> and I I watched it a second time and... I loved it in the same way. Um, I just found it really, partly, I think it's because I had no expectations. I feel like the last episodes leading up to it, I was feeling really dismayed slash mentally exhausted by it and more confused than ever. So going into it, I'm just like, whatever, whatever it is, I'll just accept it. But I think that I... It touched my emotional core and I, there were two scenes in particular that I was like, no, that was all I needed. Thank you. Okay. I'm, I'm good. Hmm. I, I agree with what you're probably going to be saying about the way in which the story was written, but in terms of just a relational, like, okay, from the get go, what we've been following, I don't know. It just worked for me. I'm satisfied. I would say definitely upon the second watch, I am I'm satisfied. Yeah. Would I be even more ecstatically happy if we got more? Like if we got to really understand sure. Alexander's history, which yeah. we never did, or Clausen mattered, <laughs> or you know any number of other questions that we had throughout he the show. To me, <laughs> well, and that's the whole deal, right? Yeah. And actually, I think watching it the second time, it was almost like the show was telling me how to watch it. Mm. Like it was telling me yeah. what I should be caring about and what I shouldn't be caring about and how to pay attention to the show itself. I'll, I'll get into what I mean by that a little bit. but And it's funny because my first watch, I was quite disappointed. I don't think I had a complete 180, but it wasn't that the ending was disappointing. I was expecting a similar outcome to the end that we get in this episode, but I felt like... I, I just felt like it wasn't enough in terms of answers, not even in terms of the questions that we've had this whole time. But at least first time through, it didn't feel like the message was completely clear. Well, no, I, th I feel like it's clear. It's maybe something, a message that I don't like. Mm. <laughs> but we'll get into that. Okay. I think I think what really disappointed me is it asked us to care about all these characters and like really focus on them and dig into their lives. And like, it hurt when they were taken away from us. And then it just felt like this episode, the first time through, I was like, Oh, so none of it mattered anyway. Everything was pointless. Why'd you even care? Like, uh, I just felt like, what am I supposed to do with all of my feelings for Mikkel and Katarina and Jonas mm -hmm. and Martha? Like, what am I supposed to do with all that now that you've just completely erased it? And yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like they erased that long ago. So it's not like this was the kick in the pants. I guess, it was just, I guess I was always hoping that it would come back hmm. somehow. That's do you true. feel like you were teased into it because of the way the episode began? <laughs> So it was even worse. Maybe. I just I just remember being very surprised by the t things they chose to spend time on. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. Regina was always a secondary character that I didn't really care that much about. Tanhouse was barely even secondary. You didn't care about Regina? 
I didn't not care about her, but I certainly didn't care about her the same way I care about Jonas and Mikkel and Martha and even Magnus. Yeah, I'm a little butthurt yeah. about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I just was really upset. But then I think that the direction they took the show thematically, I think it really drove that point home more. And we'll talk about that in in our one on ones, but like the fact that we were with these people for a while and then their stories just ended and we didn't get closure and we didn't get answers and we didn't get to see kind of where they ended. I think that actually is really significant. Yeah. So let's begin our final lit takes where we talk about the episode. This one I think actually will probably make the most sense if it's relatively chronological. Yeah, I agree. So this one, you know, against our better instincts, we are pretty much <laughs> going to go through it beginning to end. And speaking of beginning to end, Ooh. we ended right where we started, right? Well, we started yep. our ending right where we started our starting, which is... The beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. Indeed. So we see Michael writing the letter. He seals it and he hangs himself for an infinite number of times, <laughs> apparently. Ugh. And Claudia is kind of explaining to Adam how his journey will finally end. What did you guys think about her whole interaction with Adam here? I mean, it goes on for a long time. And this basically, man, for a show that loves its monologues, this episode was like 80% monologues um, yeah. in, a, in a satisfying way. But like I usually write down monologues that I think are significant. And so like my personal notes are just pages of the script of Dark. <laughs> Well, it was confusing at time. There was one point where I didn't realize who was speaking. I didn't realize that we were listening to a monologue. I thought it was Eva speaking. Uh -huh. And it was a bit confusing at times. But yeah, there was just monologue overlay on everything. Yeah. Adam's consternation, I thought, was very, very Jonas, actually. Adam was very Jonas this episode for me. And there lies my biggest issue with this episode, I feel like I had a hard time buying a lot of the reactions from the characters. Mm. And at the end, because episode seven just made Adam to be this like monster, yeah. this absolute, absolute monster. Yeah. There's no way to reach him. There's nothing that can change that. But yeah, he suddenly. I mean, Claudia is like does a refer to that. Dog. Well, I don't know about puppy dog, but Claudia does refer <laughs> to the fact that you think that he was a puppy yes. dog in this episode. He just feels I felt like so a, a grandpa. Yeah, sad and sorry, and wanted to hug him the whole time. And when they finally hugged, it was beautiful. And I just, I don't know. Oh, I agree. <laughs> that was a great moment. The reunion of Adam and Eve yes. was was nice. I don't know. I mean, for me, it made sense. I, I think. It's so typical of Jonas to have everything taken away from him. Claudia to be the first one to just offer an explanation. And he just believes it without hesitation. Yeah. He's like, yep, yeah, that's exactly correct. I believe you because that is me. I believe people who tell me things. <laughs> and, I, and I think that my, my upset feelings are not necessarily towards this, but more towards episode seven. Mm -hmm. Because it was just well, making they built him... it up so much. Yeah. That is another thing that I am, to use the parlance of our students, salty about. That we don't actually. <laughs> don't I know I was going to say. Oh, do they know? No. 
No. Anyway. Come on. I can't keep up. No, no one can. The moment, because that isn't the moment he becomes Adam. He becomes Adam before he decides to do that in episode seven, where he just straight murders his mom. Yeah. And so are we just to suppose that it was the slow progress of years, the constant waiting, the constant failure? Because I guess Jonas spent his kind of youth to adult life trying to make time travel work with Claudia and then his adult through Adam life trying to make time travel work again on his own. And so his life was just such a constant struggle dealing with the same issue that it made him a monster. I guess. I mean, obsession, it's very Frankenstein-y. Obsession turned I, him into a monster. It's funny because I put Frankenstein-y with Tannhouse as well. Hmm. Both. Explain that. Well, when Tannhouse is working to split the dimensions, well, that's not his plan, but working to create time travel, just his oh, I see. drive in that whole, it's alive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think... I liked her. I liked Claudia's speech, how she was talking about our thinking is shaped by dualities, black, white, light, and shadow, coming all the way back to the Triketra again and forcing them to recognize it, which I was kind of proud of. I feel like we kept coming yes. back to that. And like, there can't just be these two. Well, that was you specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kept saying, there's got to be a third. And I was like, we don't have time, Tommy. There's not enough time. Little did you know they can introduce an entire world in one episode. <laughs> And Jen, the letterboxing was a great catch because that was always our origin world. Yeah. So uh, whenever we see our origin, it was always letterboxed like that. I'd never heard that term before you said it, but. Letterbox? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, sorry. <laughs> Feels very common, especially someone who's like into drama and movies. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm a fool. I'm the fool this time. So. To be fair, I haven't heard of it. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I, I... Whoa. So I think that Tannhouse in the origin world, happening to be the one who creates time travel, answers a lot of our questions about like, what is special about Winden? I feel like we kept wondering that. What draws people there? What makes it so significant, so important? And I think that's it, is our answer, is that that's where Tannhouse created time travel. Mm -hmm. And that's what created these spinoff worlds uh, that were that we were existing in this entire time and so i feel like that's a good answer of why would these people keep being drawn to winden well it's because of time travel and of course we still have peter so peter was still brought there and you know obviously katarina's still there and there's still a lot of similarities between the origin world and our world but a lot of the lightning rod things like Alexander also being drawn there, Clausen also being drawn there, mm-hmm. all of these people being drawn and coming back to Winden. The fact that Agnes kept coming back and uh, you know, her grandma Hannah lived there too. Like it all just kind of makes a lot more sense yeah. to me about why all these people would be drawn to Winden. And yet still they want to end Winden. I know. That was they wish, they that was so bizarre no in a world without yeah, Winden. That didn't make sense to me. <laughs> well, if these are kind of two dimensions split off of an original dimension. This felt like just a touch of that still. Just, I guess everyone wishes Winton didn't exist. Seems like a nice little town, except for all the terrible parts of it. I was going to say, maybe just that whole lights going out and lots of thunder and rain is enough to make it undesirable. 
now it's just like a normal crappy small town though. <laughs> it's not like, you know, bizarre. People aren't getting cancer because I don't think the nuclear power plant exists anymore. And what? No, Burned is still there. Yeah, but the only reason that Baron was able to get the power plant built was because of the three who are one. And in the shot, mm. in the rain, you know, maybe it was just too dark or cloudy or whatever, but you look past Martha uh, and Jonas and you don't see the, the smokestacks, the, uh, the cooling towers. That's a good observation. Oh, and so without them, maybe Byrne tried, but maybe he yeah. was also like a nicer old man. Mm. That was another really weird reveal that he was married to Claudia, I guess, in the origin world. <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch it the first time. I saw the picture the second time through, and I was like, oh, because I didn't recognize him. Because mm. he looks so nice, actually. <laughs> and he wasn't um, he wasn't in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So by the end of this little conversation with Adam, Claudia is talking about Tanhouse and his pain and how his pain created their worlds, essentially. And she says there's a way to destroy the knot by preventing the invention of time travel in the origin world in the first place. Which reminded me of when Claudia is first explaining, old Claudia is explaining, I think to her younger self, what the machine is. She says that it's mankind's greatest invention and its undoing. And mm-hmm. it just is a, it's very appropriate that her actions make it so that time travel was never created in the first place. And it really sets up the show to beyond everything else, being about grief and pain and how you deal with it. What are your methods of coping with suffering? And the implications of finding the people, getting them before they die, and what that really means in a, in a particular timeline are really unpacked, and it's really interesting. I want to talk about that a lot when we get to the very end of the episode. Mm. It does feel like that started to be sprinkled in in season two where they were like, okay, this is how we're going to end things. (laughs) We need to start peppering this phrase in. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It felt very, I I wonder how, when they knew exactly how things are going to end. Yeah. I wonder if there are like interviews and stuff that we could. Yes. Well, now we can actually find them. I watched one today. It feels like the interview is there. Oh, wow. Really? I did. During my prep. Was it satisfying? It was so satisfying. And let me just tell you, listening to um, Lewis Hoffman, who plays Jonas, um, speak English with his German accent is just the loveliest. Interesting. You'll have to send that to me. Yeah. The internet feels so open and safe I know. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of exciting when I realized that. I was like, oh, wait. I can do so many things. I guess the actors, the actors who play... Uh, Martha and Jonas are actually really good friends. <laughs> and so they'll like take pictures together in places. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cute. <laughs> They're real people. Yeah. I thought they disappeared. They survived. <laughs> <laughs> so then we switch to kind of Adam and Eve and Claudia all together. And Adam is looking more Bond villain than ever as he walks into the burnt inner sanctum of Sigmundus. And Claudia tells him that this is the first time this has happened. Yeah, I had questions about this. So how, though? How could it be? How could she even know? That, and also, everything that proceeds, for example, right after this, he goes and burns the paintings. 
Yeah. And how could this be the first time that he's done that if that has already been in all the previous things that we are seeing? But we are watching this final cycle. Like, we are actually watching the real last cycle, though. So maybe in all the earlier cycles, he did still do it also, but then he just went and killed Eva. So, okay, so maybe... I also am wondering how he was able to go do that, how he was able to go kill Eva. I guess he has his own... But I've always thought that his portal wasn't changing dimensions. He had Martha's, remember? Oh, he stole Martha's? Yeah, that's how Magnus and Francisca went to go Oh, her. yeah, they came back with it, I guess, even though we don't see them anymore. Anyways. There's a way that it happens. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Just accept it. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of really what the show is trying to almost directly communicate at some points. Yeah. So I really loved this image and, and Claudia's explanation of how Adam and Eve continuously both create and destroy their world together. And it really ties together Adam constantly contemplating that painting that we've talked about so many times of mm -hmm. kind of the apocalypse and Eve constantly contemplating the Adam and Eve painting and how they are the alpha and the omega of their world. They are the beginning and the end, which like, are they God? Is that? Because, I mean, those are all the scriptures that we give to God, right? Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. Just an interesting idea. Like, I, I mean, obviously, they're not all powerful or anything. But, like, they are in that same position of controlling this world, even though they didn't create it. Yeah, they are their own little Titties. deities. <laughs> the three who are one got to be real creepy one last Ugh. time. Okay, this is another issue I had. <laughs> I'm sorry. When they came up and they were like, we're your son. <laughs> and she's like crying. I'm sorry. They're too creepy to love. I think she was love. crying because it was like a moment of, oh, my son. I think it was like, I'm terrified. I, I agree. <laughs> but Eva's whole speech there is you are going to keep doing this because of your love for your child. I, yeah, I get that she said it, but I just don't think that was translating of like, what? No. <laughs> well, and so I think that that whole scene, more than that, I don't think that's why she was crying. No, I agree. But I think that that is, like I said, the whole, this this is your reason for doing everything is your love for your child. Ultimately, perhaps, but I don't think that's what convinces her to pull the trigger on Jonas. Yeah. No, but it just felt like a strange place to put that argument. It's oh. like, you love this person. No, I disagree. Really? He's I think, real creepy. I think that her primary <laughs> argument was, I mean, she says it, right? In order for them all to live, they have to die. They must die in order to be born again. And so, I mean, we get their primary goals, right? Adam wants to destroy the knot. Ava wants to preserve it forever. And her idea is essentially like existence is good for its own sake. Even an eternal existence of suffering is better than non-existence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's ultimately what convinces Martha to shoot Jonas is this idea that, well, if I don't do this, then the knot will end and we will all not exist. She's probably not thinking about the three who are one in that moment. She's thinking about her brothers. She's thinking about her mom. She's thinking about Jonas. I agree. I just don't think that Eva is doing 
a good job arguing. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't, so. That's true. Maybe she knows her own uh, ways to manipulate herself. <laughs> I mean, it, she she just knows what worked. So she just says exactly what worked on her, That's I true. guess. It's a little circular, I suppose. <laughs> Good joke. <laughs> and so, yeah, we we watch a lot of Ulrich's story with Helga again for some reason. Did that have any particular meaning for you? Why do we watch so much of it? I, I was honestly so bothered that we had to watch that again. <laughs> what I it felt. What's the right word for that? Um I mean, gratuitous? Thank you. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I'm like, there's no reason for you to make us watch all of this again. Well, es- okay. Especially well, the very end where, like, you see the crowbar, like, yes. going in. Yes. Like, why? We don't need that. Here's my reading on that. It's the same reason that we start with, well, another of the reasons why we start with the hanging of Mikkel is <laughs> just portraying as much suffering as we can. That like we keep seeing the suffering of these cycles hmm. so that later when we cut this suffering, it is like a relief rather than a loss. That's actually that a really interesting sense. point. That I just felt like they were trying to be gratuitous again. To... So that we have that catharsis when there exactly. were Yeah, It didn't land well for me in that regard. I just don't think it was necessary I... still. <laughs> yeah. I'm just confused why so much time was spent on it. Right. I get it. We get it. Because we've already seen it. It just... Yeah. It felt like a waste. It felt like they... Well, it felt like they just needed something to show to be a backdrop to the dialogue, the, the monologues that they're that, giving. I I guess. And it, and it, like, explains, or it, it like, it is a good image for what they are saying, certainly. Like, it, it completely matches with, with, the, with the monologue, but... Yeah, also, I mean, talk about things I didn't believe. And this is small, but Helga's not going to be able to knock Ulrich out in one swing of a crowbar. He could barely lift that thing. Anyway. You know, it's weird, though, because when I was watching that scene, I wish I would have gone back and watched the episode when, when Ulrich first travels to the past and he meets young Helg and he tells him, Mm -hmm. like, when he's getting peed on by that boy and and he like tells them how to stand up to bullies and like you can't just let them treat you like that and yeah. I don't know. It just felt like an echo of like now he's standing up for himself. He's grown up enough <laughs> to stand up for himself. Hmm. And it becomes clear by the end of this that Ulrich sorry, not Ulrich. It becomes clear by the end of this that Claudia's goal mirrors Ava's in that she wants life at least for Regina but she wants true life not just an infinite loop of suffering like she wants her to exist outside of that but in a way she also wants Adam's wish of complete destruction yeah (laughs) she is you know as I talked about last time, the kind of layman's understanding of the dialectic, right? Where neither answer is exactly correct. There is a third, mm-hmm. a third path. And I thought it was interesting how that little, what felt like a little small Easter egg, we talked about it in this episode in the beginning of season two, where in the radio show, they talked about how the French scientists determined that time stopped in Winden for a couple of seconds, mm-hmm. which caused all the worldwide issues. It was neat that that was brought back as the 
you know, the thing that allowed you to create this bridge in time. The loophole. The loophole. It was interesting, too, because I, at first watch, I was like, ah, that seems like a little bit of just like a sure, fine, whatever, just this is the answer to the question. But I realized, oh, yeah, okay, when, because she says Eva is aware of this loophole, that is why she was able to make yep. both things at that exact same moment. I was like, oh, okay, that is why that was able to exist when time stopped. I First watch, I didn't make those connections. Second watch, I was like, okay, this actually does feel satisfying. Yeah, and you get this idea, like Claudia says that she's been studying this for 33 years, but really, infinite Claudias have been studying this and trying to change <laughs> it by degrees every single cycle, teaching her younger self a little bit more and a little bit more about exactly what needs to be done until it culminates in this final cycle after literally infinite time. Like we have no idea how many loops it really took. It's very Groundhog Day <laughs> of like, she gets to teach her younger self, oh, just a little bit more yeah. and a little bit more um, every single time. Just it, the concept of that is so neat to me. And I completely ignored it the first time I watched it. But watching it a second time, I was really able to kind of appreciate that more. So on the strength of this knowledge from Claudia, which old Adam just accepts, Old Adam goes to young Jonas, who is literally mourning the just happened death of Martha. And Adam comes back and he's like, you have to come with me. And Jonas is like, I hate you, but okay. <laughs> but you just left. Why are you back right now? She's dead. She's dead. Uh... I can explain it everything. But first we have to get out of here. This is our last hope. And then we get this little echo of Jonas's time with martha in the cave for the first time and they have basically the same conversation except adam is now having it with himself <laughs> and apparently he like really communicated the whole deal because by the time they get to tan house they really know exactly what to say yeah to convince mara yeah that was interesting um, I just, I loved this whole sequence. I don't, the, even the first time where I was not a fan of the episode, <laughs> this whole thing where there's like this exciting time pressure and they're running and then he puts, he's, he activates it and he puts it in his pocket and he's like sprinting toward Martha and he hug tackles her and they poof up in smoke. And then Magnus <laughs> and Bartosh are just left like confused. I, was looking sad, at each other. I really love that scene too. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It was just such an exciting moment. It felt not dark at all. Like, it didn't feel like the show. Yeah. It was, it was like a different genre, like, invaded the show yeah. that I've been watching. That's a good point. For a show about time travel, there is no, like, pressure portions of the show. There's no, and to bring Back to the Future up, there's no, like, oh, my gosh, we, we don't have much time left. There's a little bit of that, but everything is just in a loop. So you just feel like you're walking along the tracks and this moment where we're out of time is where there is pressure. Yeah, well, and then, but also thinking about it, I wasn't sure if there was real time pressure or not. Like, if they failed, wouldn't the loop just happen again? Wouldn't it just all start over? I don't know, because I, part of me, part of my frustration with this episode was everyone is trying so hard to keep these cycles going but it feels like they couldn't do anything else. I feel like half of the show is like, we need to keep everything the same, 
but the other half of the show is saying like there's nothing that we can change mm-hmm. which seems like two opposite ideas yeah because they keep saying like you think you're making a change but every step you take just further cements the cycle mm-hmm. and yet claudia says things like you've been trying to keep the cycle going you've been okay. forcing see but this kind of bleeds into my lit 101 a little bit which guys i'm sorry might be really long this time i have so much that i want to talk about i'm gonna recline my chair i'm ready for it i'm just gonna <laughs> listen for a while so I I think both can be true. And I think that both can only be true because these are these spin-off worlds. And I'm okay. gonna talk about why I think that later. <laughs> I think that the origin world is different from the way everything works in these extra worlds. Okay. Okay. And there's not a lot. But I have a a tiny thread of a theory that I'm hoping you're going to help me loom into a cloth of a theory. That got away from me. But The the thread got away from me? (laughs) The red thread dropped by Ariadne. Ooh, Ooh, it's all connected. That was on purpose. (laughs) Got to cut that nut. So so, uh, Jonas convinces Martha in like a minute. Like, that's another thing that's crazy to me is it takes some of these characters infinite lifetimes to discover what they need to do and to be okay with letting go of their desire to save their world. And they cling to a different solution immediately. Jonas and Martha are both only 17. And yet they both have decided in their one lifetime, right, not over multiple, that they need to go to this origin world to end both of their worlds. Like it's crazy to me how quick they came to that. And again, speaks to the trusting nature of them. And I think ultimately speaks to the good nature of the two Mm -hmm. of them and how both of their goals are really just to eliminate suffering. And they realize that this is the path. Hmm. And in a way, just like where you have to catch someone before they die to save them, they had to use young Jonas and Marta before they were completely set in their ways in their desires to be able to kind of actually make a change. You got to catch him before he becomes Adam and you got to catch her before she becomes Eva. Yeah. I like that. Jen, you made it like a disbelieving noise. I'll talk about it later. All right. So many teases in this episode. (laughs) Exciting. We're really just trying to get that listen to the end for all those sweet, sweet <laughs> non-ad dollars that we're that we're getting. Oh yeah, we're and, raking them in. And now a message from Netflix. Actually, they sponsored us. Thank you, Netflix. <laughs> oh dear. So they decide to time travel back to before Tannhaus's family dies to get them before they die. Mm. And then Adam. Ah oh, man, is this one of the scenes that you really needed, Jen? Adam and Ava. I didn't know I needed it. Hmm. I just, when I got it, I was like, ooh, I guess I needed it. It was, it was great. So he travels to Eva with a gun using her machine. And I was wondering, when I was watching this, I was like, do you think he looked at her like boring, very futuristic machine with the very clean lines and was like, my machine was way cooler. It had brass and cool <laughs> dials. There were Tesla coils. 
<laughs> Yours is boring. <laughs> Uh, that really landed flat. I thought that you guys were going to laugh at that. <laughs> well, part of me was trying to think of a like a, an add-on to that joke, but nothing. Cool. Came Let out. it die. It's okay. She, she she has solar panels. They're much cooler. So, um, I mean, I love the symbolic nature of him burning the paintings, mm. right? Burning himself, burning the origin, burning Eva, and just kind of ending everything. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. And, oh, man, the echoes of Claudia and Noah with this interaction between Eva and Adam, I thought were so interesting of the same thing. Like, you know, Claudia was telling Noah, like, this is exactly what you need to do. You're about to do it, and I'm going to die, and it's going to set everything in motion. Hmm. And so believing that that's what he was going to do. She was very Obi-Wan in this moment. <laughs> like, I will become more powerful once you strike me down. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can even imagine. Oh I mean, my wasn't... god, you guys are dorks. Okay, it's 2020. It is not a dorky thing to like Star Wars <laughs> the anymore. The fact that you okay? had to say the right, the line the right way. That's just me. because I'm who I, I know, am. and it irritates me. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I was paraphrasing, and you had to correct. I did. It's a line that's too good for me to let go. It's slightly incorrect. Because my brain is broken. Well, Fans, please write into on. all the times that I've misquoted Dark. Also, show me how what a hypocrite I am, please. Watch. In my, even in my correction of you, I probably said it wrong somehow, and somebody's going to be like shouting so. at their podcast. <laughs> So, I don't know. I just love that moment when he has the gun and she lifts it up to her chest and he doesn't fire and she fires and she's like, wait, what's happening? And he holds up the bullets and oh. drops them down. Oh, such a powerful moment. And his his little speech here I thought was really good as well. He He walks past her to contemplate the paintings that he burned 33 years ago and... He says, life is a labyrinth. Some wander their whole lives searching for a way out, but there is only one path and it leads ever deeper inside. Only when, when one reaches the center will one understand. Death is incomprehensible, but one can reconcile oneself with it. All that we have done will ultimately be forgotten. And I think that's the central thesis of the show. Hmm. And that's what yeah. I'm going to talk about in my Lit 101, really. That's, like, that's kind the biggest of thing I'm going to talk about. Hannah says at mm -hmm. the end. I think that's why That's why I think that that is kind of the, the central thesis, yeah. because it's echoed again later. And it is stuff that we've talked about before. It, it is all related to stuff we've discussed. Yeah. yeah. And Eva's super upset by this, because she doesn't want to die. She doesn't want yeah. it to be over. And she now has to face true death. Right, because we've never actually seen a true death in this show. Because everything will just be reborn again and again and again and again. It's interesting how she has had this facade of strength and like stony expression, but here you just see her break. And I think that the actress does a really good job hmm. of kind of just like, oh no, <laughs> there is change. This is not what it should be. That is wrong. Yeah. It's powerful coming from her because she's been so sure the entire time. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's kind of akin to the moment where Adam thought that he won, right? And Josh, you said you burst out laughing because of how <laughs> yeah. shocked he was. It was she, <laughs> she handled it, I think, in a much more staid way. It was less kind of comical. Although I didn't laugh like you did because I'm not a monster, but I would have thought of a role reversal I, there. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do. I do agree that it was more kind of campy of a of a reaction than Ava's. Ava's was much more real and believable. Uh so Jonas and Martha arrive at the cave in the passage, and Sigmundus Creatus Est was absolutely right. Thus, the world was created. The creation of time travel literally did create their worlds. So the return of like the Emerald Tablet was like just wrong, really, in most of the ways, except that really that is the way that their world was created. I thought that that was kind of clever. That's another thing that I didn't get until the second time that I watched. I didn't get it till just now. I want to get it tattooed on crawl. my body. Sigmundus. Do you really? <laughs> kind of. I would get matching tats. Oh, let's Sigmundus. do it, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't write a check that you're not going to cash, Jen. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going to show up to work on Monday. Like, oh, did you? Did you? No. <laughs> I would. Then we would have two everlasting monuments to this podcast. I think it's important. So what are you thinking? Like sick on one cheek and Mundus on the uh, no, across the other chest cheek? right here. Ooh, <laughs> like right on the clavicle. <laughs> All right, I'll put it right underneath my current tattoo, which is only God will judge me. <laughs> It'll just be sick Mundus directly below that. I have a tattoo, everyone. Do you? Yeah, it says only God will judge me. You see it in every single one of these video calls. No, I don't have a tattoo. I do kind of want a tattoo though. I wouldn't be really? against getting a Sigmundus tattoo. <laughs> I genuinely, I, I genuinely would not. Just a trifecta tramp stamp. <laughs> Triketra. I was like, what? what did trifecta. I say? Trifecta. <laughs> oh, well. That too. I mean, why not both? <laughs> so, Tanhouse activates the machine and Adam and Ava hug. Which it made me wonder why they were even fighting in the first place. Like you guys love each other. You are endlessly bound to each other forever. Like what the were you thinking? Match. Never think anything <laughs> else. And Jonas and Martha contemplate each other as time particles go toward a pulsing time mm. beam. And this was the weirdest part of the episode. And the one that I was kind of least on board for. Yeah. Which was this weird interstellar-esque time bridge. I called it a dusty matrix world in my notes. Oh my god. Okay, before you knock this scene, I get that we didn't need it. I can understand that. I don't know that we didn't need it. Finish your point. I don't think we needed it in the sense of like... Like we were just saying, if they're a perfect match and this has been kind of the guiding force in both of their lives to a degree, I don't know how the scene added anything 
necessary to the episode. For my heart and my emotional well-being, it was a scene I very much needed. It was a scene that brought me to tears. (laughs) tell, Tell me why. Because of this sweet, historical, always connected before they knew they needed to be connected and that they were destined to be connected. And that they got this glimpse of a reminder of comfort and solace and hope. And um, Mm. I don't know that this was all purposeful. I can can see that it felt too contrived for me. I get that. I do. But I love that kind of stuff. Oh, that's not, that's not what I felt. I was just, this is the most sci-fi element I would say that we have had being in like this weird light corridor I was just surprised by in terms of like the content of what we were seeing. I was just like, what are the implications of the fact that when they were both young and sidebar, Jonas apparently only has ever been purchased or only yellow red, <laughs> only yellow jackets have been purchased for him his entire life. I love this. Um, because it's his color, right. man. And that it's Katarina and Mikkel, like. But if it's the first time that this has happened, like, is this the only cycle that they've seen themselves in? I would believe so. Man. I don't know. It, it, the implications of it were just difficult for me to unpack. I also just, it was just bizarre to me. Like, it, it was. was just like, what? this is not dark. Like, what? Time, mm-hmm. time bridge thing? I felt like it wasn't so far-fetched or strange for the final I think, episode. I think I would have been more comfortable even if it were just all darkness and they were just in darkness and then a door opened. But we needed to make it feel magical and romantic and it added to that. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't feel romantic or magical at all. Well, that's because you're dead inside. Jeez. <laughs> Okay. All right. Don't detract from its beauty. Listeners can disagree too. I don't care. It's a beautiful scene. It felt long. No, I I don't know. That's what I meant when I said I loved this episode. I'm not going to lie. I loved that scene. This scene specifically? (laughs) Wow. That's actually really Mm -hmm. surprising to me. I I didn't hate the scene. I'm just literally talking about the, the decisions made in terms of like what it looked like. I was just surprised because I feel like it's so, again, just like that moment, like that action movie moment where Jonas tackles Martha as they poof into a different reality. I don't know why those didn't seem as, I know what you're saying about it, but it didn't seem like it was so far from what they've done previously or for it to feel out of element in this episode. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten those light particles before, like Katarina saw them. Yeah. Yeah before and and they led her to the passage yeah you're right i mean they're they're not they're not moments without precedent certainly i was just surprised by it so they arrive at the intersection the intersection in all caps (laughs) and like i said i you can look back i don't think there was a power plant Oh, I believe you. I just didn't, yeah, notice. I think that's probably true. And, okay. What did you guys think about this scene with Tanhouse and his family? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was it. I was very annoyed with him. I was like, "You are being very whiny," and I'm having a hard time listening to this conversation. <laughs> For me, and I feel like Jen really liked it, which makes me feel <laughs> sad about what I'm going to say, but like it just felt like really cliche, poor writing. Like they needed to build these characters in one scene because that's literally all we've gotten from them. Like I wish more time had been given to really give these characters their due. Like spend less time on Helga and Ulrich. Yeah. Spend less time in the time bridge and give me more time to actually build this relationship that apparently the show is about right. this this relationship between Tannhaus and his and his children. Yeah. He, doesn't he say like he's always looking up at the stars, but does he ever look at me? Yeah. <laughs> it was like Ugh. And it was just <laughs> like the classic like I thought you always wanted to be a clockmaker. You never listened to me. Like it was just it was just very cliche for me. And it felt like based on the caliber of writing that we had had in the show, I think that's just really Really what got me is they were like, okay, they just need to establish these characters really, really quick. And they're they're going to this well of tropes. But I think not to – and I'm not – I don't feel the need to defend this by any means. I had no problem with it. Again, I'm coming into this episode with extremely low expectations and willing to accept whatever's thrown at me. But – it worked. And I think if you want to convey this whole concept really quickly, then you do lean into those tropes and make it make sense yeah. and emotionally connect to the audience. And I was emotionally connected to it worked. <laughs> the one thing that I felt, well, I, I wouldn't say that this was done well, but that he was so concerned about you don't ever care what I want. And he was it was all focused on my desires and do you understand my desires? And this full, this whole episode has been about like how our desires push us forward. And I, I thought that that was like mm -hmm. a kind of touch on that. Yeah. Just a reminder yet again. Yeah. I, I just wanted more time with them. I wanted to really understand them more as characters outside of the tropes. And I understand that tropes exist for a reason, and it was like shorthand for the audience to get to know them. And I will definitely say it was an incredibly emotional moment. I mean, pff, put a father-son narrative in a text and <laughs> I am going to be, you know, a puddle. But the the end was still powerful, but I think that the beginning, the growth of it could have could have spent a little more time. I guess the other conclusion I came to, though, in this episode, and I think I started – recognizing throughout season three is that I don't think this show cares that we care about characters at all. Absolutely. I think they want Absolutely. us in the story and that's an, a plot that's moving forward. So that is what it is. <laughs> okay. But my, that's also related to my lit one-on-one too. Okay. Well, we have to talk about something. Tommy. <laughs> well, so what I want to talk about is how creepy and weird Jonas and Martha are and how great I, as much as like I was a little skeptical of that scene with Marek and Tenhouse in the clock shop, the scene when they almost hit Jonas and Martha, and then the whole time in the rain, I was so on board for every moment of that scene. <laughs> I loved it from jump. It was beautiful. How Jonas and Martha were just like battered, horrifically damaged, like <laughs> um, we come from the future, <laughs> and just like. 
the bridge is out. <laughs> don't don't go there. And how like he's first he's so mad, and then he's just like, "Are you, are you okay? Do you need help?" Because apparently yep. everybody in Winden always asks random strangers if they need help. Uh, it's a good small town. Uh... Uh, but it was beautiful. I loved that scene. I loved it so much. <laughs> Your father loves you. He would mm. do anything for you. Okay. I didn't. I was confused by that line that Martha says. Have we been given enough? Has she had enough time to know that? I assume Claudia told Adam the story. Adam told Jonas the story and Jonas told Martha the story. That's what I assumed as well. To me, that was like, whoa, how do you? But again, another scene they could have showed us instead of some other options. (laughs) So we would have all those pieces. I, I guess. But. Yeah. It it just struck me as odd that she was saying that, where I was like, you just showed up here. You you just became a part of this. How do you know so much? They're angels. I guess. They know everything. Well, and I, I also love this idea that all of our myths of angels come from people experiencing great loss, inventing time travel, <laughs> and then like the worlds <laughs> they create erasing time travel from existence again. And like that's what we think about angels. I love that idea. We've created time travel many times, but we just immediately have to go back and fix that. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. We can't do this. <laughs> um, and they go back home. And I thought that that whole end scene, again, in contrast to that opening scene, was, again, very powerful. And, like, Ten House hasn't changed much because how much could he change? He hasn't experienced the pain, but he's clearly been crying. He's clearly sad that, like, his son has left. They do that hug, which... Again, that'll always get me. And it was just a great little scene. He holds Charlotte, which is nice. The light goes out, the night goes on. No one dies. No one has to invent time travel. And then everyone dies. Well, not everyone. I love that it stopped raining. It reminded me of the first episode again about how it was like crazy rain and then ending rain. Mm. And they're just left to wonder, like, was it enough? Did we do what we needed to do? Mm. Mm -hmm. And then a a beautiful but extremely unsettling version of It's a uh, What a Wonderful World. Unsettling, yes. (laughs) Yeah. But it was supposed to be, I'm assuming. (laughs) I really like this version of this song. I am not sure about placement in this episode and it might just be because this is the one time where it's like oh i know this song and it's weird to hear a song in dark that you know because every time we have a montage it's like oh this is an interesting new song that's really good for the mood but this one it felt i i want to say cliche i feel like there's a lot of ending montages that have this song and so it felt weird to me but given the Mm -hmm. version that they chose i feel like it fit perfectly yeah i i I agree with that i didn't feel that josh hmm okay i think that the unsettlingness of it it's a wonderful world like the implications of what it's a wonderful world means in this sense And Mm -hmm. we are listening to it as we are watching the absolute, not only destruction, but annihilation of everything that we have cared about for three seasons 
but no Magnus. And it's <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't get to see Magnus. The last we see of Magnus is his confused face as Jonas comes. And it was the old version, so it wasn't even good Magnus. <laughs> wasn't even no tattoos on. No right, how does it go yeah. on? Tattooed Magnus or non-tattooed Magnus? We know the answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine old tattooed Magnus. Ooh. That's like the best of both worlds. Well, he dies in the apocalypse, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah, so then we see everybody disappear slowly, and we see true death for all of them. Mm. And Jonas seems happy as a stranger, I would say. Mm. Um Somehow he knows that he has succeeded, which is nice to yeah. see that he at least recognizes it. There was peace in that scene. <laughs> and Adam and Eve, we get to see disappear. And I think that was nice as well. I don't know. I, in what my first viewing felt like robbery in this one felt like such cathartic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's done. Yes. See? We agree now. Because I said it. I don't. <laughs> I was honestly afraid. I was talking to Josh about this because I really hate listening to podcasts where I loved a thing and the people I listen to just spend the entire <laughs> podcast like hating on it. And and I was like, I don't know that I can say positive things about this episode. <laughs> you just need it. But that. now I'm, I, I, I think it's great. I needed the, the extra two weeks and I needed to watch it again. Yeah. I'm glad I loved it. I was really afraid I was going to just find myself hating the show by the end. Though I really want to go yeah. back and rewatch the whole thing now. <laughs> I feel the same way. But the first time I watched it, I was like, what a waste of three seasons that was. But now I'm like, I really want to rewatch the whole right? thing to, to, to like look at it through this new lens. I feel like season three is going to take on a different life at that point. So I'm kind of sad I don't have mm. that to <laughs> experience again. In this capacity. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. In podcast capacity? Yeah. Podcastastity? <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody's stopping us from doing another podcast. They want to hear us talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do a yearly podcast on Dark. How do we think about it now? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that's the end. That's the end of everything that we have ever cared about. And then we get more. And then we get more. We get the real world, quote unquote. And there's a sweet little dinner party celebrating Regina somehow. And <laughs> maybe she did have some form of cancer that she's beaten. Maybe it's just her birthday. Interesting. I mean, they say like to her life. And I don't know if that's like a German toast for a birthday or if that's like she has overcome something. I, I don't know. Hmm. I just didn't read it that way, huh? I wonder why. I mean, I didn't read it as a party for Regina. Oh, they toast her, I thought. Do they not toast her? Uh, I think they do, but I, that still didn't seem to make it a party about her. <laughs> I don't oh, know why. Well, Whatever. I, I, I don't matter. know if that's true or not. We get this tiny three-minute scene, so. Yeah. I had to watch it so like a thousand they... times to fully unpack I, it. I also <laughs> had to watch it a few times, especially because I didn't really recognize Burned in the beginning. Yeah. And... So Katarina, Peter, Benny, Regina, Voller, and Hannah are all there. Were you so mad? No, actually, it was it was honestly great. 
<laughs> I was a little bit for a moment upset, but then it felt like an inside joke that I had with the show somehow, like yeah. as an entity. And it was like, ah, you would. <laughs> It was kind of nice that Voller had both the use of both of his eyes. It was. Though. It was good to see him. And arms. Yeah, that's true. And arms. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was pretty extreme. I guess so. That was weird. <laughs> He's so sheepish about it. It's just, oh, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, Don't <no>. tell anyone. <laughs> I just love it. I just hope it's really embarrassing and silly. Like, uh that's what's kind of nice. I get to imagine whatever silly thing happened. <laughs> See, those are the best yeah. stories. <laughs> so we get a deja vu, right? And Hannah, it feels like deja vu remembers everything of the alternate mm-hmm. universes. Yeah. Because she looks at the jacket uh, that's yellow, and it seems like she remembers Jonas. And obviously she wants to name her baby right. Jonas. And I can only hope and pray that it comes out as our Jonas. (laughs) But apparently it's Voller's child. But like everything seems to be to be like new, right? Katarina is probably better off because there's no Ulrich. And because her as an adult didn't like terrorize her mother. Like her mother was probably still, you know a little mean but like didn't have that moment where she like beat a little her mean a <laughs> i don't know i wonder i mean maybe she had a different boyfriend i guess maybe do you think she dated peter do you think what were the pairings on this party? we're not peter and benny together i believe so yeah. oh was that that's it? what i assumed so katarina and regina were both alone yeah. peter and benny were together and also I guess I assumed Katarina's history was the same because she's the one who says a world without Wyndon, right? Well, Hannah and Ulrich say it. No, I know. But this time the, around. Oh, but this yeah. but this time, yes. Yeah. Katarina says it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she's super pregnant. Hannah is, by the way. And there's this lightning and everything, all the lights go out as we have now seen several times. And she says, I had this peculiar feeling that it was a good thing for the world to be over, like suddenly being free of everything, Mm. no wanting, no having to, infinite darkness, no yesterday, no today, no tomorrow, nothing. And again, this is the central thesis of the show, I think. And having to is what Jonas was railing against with Eva, right? She Mm -hmm. says, you have to do this. And he says, I hate having to do things. I don't want to do, have to do things anymore. And, um... Jonas ultimately desired exactly this, right? This was the speech that he gives to angry boy Bartosh when he's like, make the time machine work. And um, he's like, this is what paradise is going to be. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know that you love Bartosh for some reason now. I feel like we've completely switched over the course of the show where I started defending Bartosh and now I'm just. um, Don't make him so whiny boy. He doesn't sound like that when he talks. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) and then the lights come back on and time moves forward and we are left to wonder exactly what happens in winden Mm -hmm. and uh, extremely appropriately irgendwe 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 plays and the first time it felt almost insulting uh but then the second time again it just felt very appropriate i was so on board with my second view of this episode Hmm. that's interesting 
I was more on board, not to the 100% that you are right now. Yeah, well, I think that kind of relates to the Lit 101s. So do you have anything else that we want to say? I don't think so. All right. Well, welcome to, I'm going to do it, Literature 101 <laughs> with Tommy, Thomas, Joshua, and Jennifer. <laughs> and we are going to, uh, for the final time with Dark, get out our uh, robes. We all have graduation robes and the cool hats that um, only the PhDs get. We stole them. We're going to wear them. And we are going to talk about our final big thoughts for Dark at the end of the series. So where do you guys want to start? I want you to go, Tommy. Your thoughts. Oh, really? Okay. I want to hear. Okay, so I have a lot that I want to talk about. So I would say that in this show, we have had a few kind of major questions. The first question being, can you change things? The second question being, do we have free will and what does free will mean? Ooh, maybe four. The third being, <laughs> the third being, uh, centered around that quote: "A man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills." And really, a central conversation just to our general friendship of: Can you change what you want? What do you do with your desires? And four: How do you deal with death? Mm. What What do you do mm. with death? And I think that this episode really lands on a very strong thesis for all of these big issues, um, which the second time is really what I saw. And so let's start with desire, because I feel like that's something that we've hit a lot of times. And there's that Schopenhauer quote that we've discussed a few times in this episode. And it made me think a lot of Buddhism. And uh, something that Adam says a lot is about their desires. And, and, um, Eva says, you know, Jonas will never be able to stop because he wants to continually fight for Martha. He will never stop doing that. And we, we went through all those episodes where we talked about how each character's major desire was driving them. So we have Adam with his, um, image of Martha, you know, in her white dress, we had Katarina with Mikkel. We had, um, all these characters kind of driving, uh, motivations. And at the very end of the show, the reason everything is able to end, the reason all the suffering stops is because these characters were able to let go of what they desired and do it, walk in a different path. And them striving for their desires is what was causing the suffering. And it just made me think it was a very Buddhist idea of you have to let go of your desires in order to reach enlightenment. Well, and then not only enlightenment, but like ending the cycle of death and rebirth is like one of the core tenets and overcoming suffering is that my only issue was that I had a hard time buying into it. It just, the change felt so quick. And my only thought was, okay, is that change because of this also the, the moving away from cause and effect because they are not within time that they're able to kind of move away from their desires hmm. i i don't think it happened quickly adam had to lose everything twice he had to be completely stripped of his success of all of his desires two times one time when he was a stranger and he thought that cloudy was leading him to the path to destroy the passage once and for all and once when he was adam 
after he's done these horrible, awful things, right? Thinking that he's finally succeeded and he's lost everything a second time now, completely. And that's the state that Claudia finds him in. So I don't mm. see it as fast at all. I see him as a completely grieving and broken individual being offered, you know, a lifeline. It's kind of strange, though, because the... It's all what he's wanted the whole time, just the end of it all. And the main shift is not necessarily in his desires, I feel like. It's just more in his attitude about it. But it is, because his he was the star of the show the whole time. He was the person who could make it happen. And he says that, I thought it always had to be me who was going to do it. And he had to let go of that agency and give it to somebody else albeit a younger version of himself. But Mm -hmm. that's still not him, right? That's still a different entity, a different being. Okay. I don't know. No, like what is your your issue with it? I, I, I just felt like there was a lot of just tying things together in this episode. It didn't feel like the motivations were fully accurate it just felt like okay we have to come to an end in many ways Mm. i i wasn't bought into everyone's motivations which i guess is kind of telling to this whole thesis of moving away from your desires but that was my biggest issue was people's motivations and the changing of those motivations and quickly coming to conclusions. It just all felt too neat. Um, I don't disagree, but I, I, I I agree with your thesis and your interpretation, but my issue is more, I would say with the pacing and the time given to the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more, it's more than just this episode. Like we've talked about. Go ahead, Jen. I was just going to say, I like I don't feel like I can fully comment on that either. And it's sort of like I need a lit after after dark of <laughs> just like give me the <laughs> space to fully process before I can entertain what you're saying, because I'm not sure. Well, and I I would agree with you. I if I could go back and change season three and make it be about different things yeah. and, and, and make a lot of this happen sooner so that it could happen more slowly. Like give yeah. me, give me an episode with Adam and Claudia after he's tried to kill Martha. Yeah. Give me an episode where I see Jonas becoming Adam. Like I, I agree with that. I, I think that more time could have been spent fleshing that out. Yeah. I would say in my second watch, it was enough for me. Hmm. It was believable hmm. enough. Hmm. I don't need to see necessarily events repeat themselves in a slightly different way, especially if you're just going to hammer me over the head with things happen again, even if they're not exactly the same. Yeah. I, well, and uh, oh, no, go ahead. It's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I think that my biggest issue is that once things started to change, it didn't feel significant. It just felt like, okay, we're, we're keep moving with the same mm pace that is not giving the weight to it that I felt like it needed. Hmm. Um, And 
I mean, they just didn't have enough time. I, but I agree that they couldn't. I don't think that they could could have spanned this over two episodes. I feel like they did need to save this big reveal of the third dimension. But it just felt like they were putting time into things that we didn't need. Like, we don't need more explanations of how things fit together in the alternate dimension. Yeah. I just want more of, like, the things that you were saying. I want more of, like, I am making a change. I am making my own choice right now. I am not following this same cycle. We are breaking the chain I guess I wanted to, as I think we've all agreed, less plot from one thing to the next and more character. Yeah. We have great writing, great dialogue, but I want more character moments. Hmm. So all of that kind of feeds into the next point, which is free will. And like, what is free will? What does it mean to act freely? And I think that that kind of Buddhism relation is related to free will because Schopenhauer's point in a man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills. Is that man truly free? I think would be a question you can ask. And a Buddhist might say no, because that man is still a slave to his desires. And if you can release yourself of all desire, that is when you truly become free because you are able to choose outside of what you naturally want. So what you're telling me is, Tommy, you are not a Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's le- it's more complicated than that because oh, okay. because I come on, I believe that you can want something. I've been very clear about this. You can want something <laughs> and choose not to act on it. Yeah, but you can't make yourself not want it. And I don't think any of these characters don't want the thing. They've just decided not to act on it. Oh, okay. So that th- that would then be not a slave to their desires if they are actively choosing against it. Yeah. Okay. Because I desire this thing, but I get the I have the power to say I want that, but I'm actively not choosing it. Okay. So I think that's the answer to free will and what free will looks like in this world. Side note: Marek means Mark, teller of the gospel. Sonia, wisdom, like Sophia, essentially, and Charlotte uh, means, let me consult my notes really quickly here, free man. And I just think that's really significant that this baby that survives is named free man. And like what the implication of her ability, Charlotte's ability to make choices in this world means that those cycles, those loops, that lack of ability to change things doesn't exist in the origin world. It only exists in these spinoff worlds. And so you do have true freedom in this origin world. And so would you say that they cannot have free will in the duo alt timelines because they are made from time travel and thus creating a loop where there's not no freedom yes okay <laughs> precisely so in in these worlds they don't have free will they don't have the ability to choose outside of what always happens mm. even if they try to sometimes even if they try to either make it happen or not it doesn't matter because whatever they do was already written because it's already yeah. happened an infinite number of times, except for when Claudia is finally able to make that last change. Mm. Yeah. And so the implication is then in our world, right, which is the origin world, I would imagine, 
there is that opportunity for freedom because, you know, I guess unless it's like an infinite, you know, regression of worlds that are created by time travel and loss. But if our world is a true origin world, then we do have the ability to make different choices because Marek was able to choose differently, right? He could have just ignored creepy Jonas and Martha, but he chose not to. I love how our use of quote unquote, our world <laughs> has changed, <laughs> has changed. <laughs> uh... Okay. I said I had a lot. I have one more. <laughs> so one of the major questions in existentialism is does life have more meaning because it is short or would life have more meaning if it were endless? So would an infinite life be more meaningful or less meaningful than a short life? And we get examples of both of these in the show, right? The worlds that we have been living in for the past two seasons and seven episodes are these infinitely recurring, endless loops of life. These people are living over and over and over and over again, the same exact story, absolutely unable to change it, except for maybe tiny things, some people. Adam says, death is incomprehensible, but we can come to terms with it. At the end of the episode, Jonas and Martha wonder whether their lives were just a dream or if they really happened. And Jonas just says, I don't know. Right. And Martha, Martha is like, does, is that it? Are we just over? Like, are we, were we just a dream? And Jonas says, I don't know. But that's the position that we are all in perpetually. Right. Because in a hundred years, in a thousand years, except that now this podcast exists, <laughs> our lives were just a dream. It doesn't matter. Nobody will ever know that we sat here and had this conversation. And that's doubly, triply true for people who lived a thousand years ago, right? There are hundreds of thousands of millions of nameless people that have ever existed and they are gone. But even if Jonas and Martha are gone and forgotten and technically never existed, the echoes of what they have done will last forever. And so their lives are more meaningful in death than they ever were in life because they have this endless lasting change by altering the origin time stream to where time travel is not invented. Their lives were ultimately meaningless when they were just repeated over and over and over again. Not only meaningless, but meaningless, endless suffering as well. Mm. It was a Sisyphusian experience of this endless recurring suffering and their end, their death is what gave their lives meaning, is what gave that suffering meaning. And so we who will die, who hopefully are not in this endless recurring loop. <laughs> Just 2020 over <laughs> and over and over. Oh, God. <laughs> Our lives have meaning because we die. I just loved it. I just loved where it landed. I feel like it had such a strong thesis at the end. And it, like everything that I cared about, all of that suffering, all of those characters' stories, going through season three, episode five, where we just get like 
death after death after death, suffering after suffering after suffering, like rapid fire to the point where we can't even feel it. It makes it feel more purposeful now that I have watched the end because it was meant to desensitize us to that suffering. And it was meant Hmm. to kind of just pile it on so heavily to make us kind of what you were saying, Josh, of like loading us up with the suffering so that the end was more of this cathartic release. Yeah. The suffering is finally ended and it's over. And it means something because it has ended. It wouldn't be more meaningful if Ava had won and, you know, continued the loop forever. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I was really excited to talk about. I realized that I've probably been going on alone for the last 10 minutes. So I'll (laughs) I'll let other people talk now. We had some things to say there. (laughs) (laughs) But when I was going through, I definitely got that same buddhist ideal of okay this is the ending Mm. of the suffering trying to escape that cycle and i do agree that the thesis was quite clear at the end but yeah i I would say that the execution was a little lacking for me um i guess i'll go next i have a pretty small thought and really kind of self-conscious about it <laughs> because this feels this feels like early season 1 i have this crazy idea i don't think it connects but i'm going to say it anyway <laughs> the beginning is the end the end is the beginning yeah seriously um strangely the one thing that really struck me in this episode was when we have Ulrich going to the alt dimension and he takes Helg with his bashed eye into the bunker. And the bunker is a little bit different. Mm. <laughs> it has the yellow wallpaper instead of the blue. That was so wallpaper. strikingly mm-hmm. different. Who would choose yeah. yellow? It was hideous and very <laughs> <was> like mustard. <laughs> yeah, jarring. And like that's exactly what what I was thinking. I was like, this is purposeful. This is interesting. Why did they do this? And they may not have thought this same thought. They may be were just trying to pick another primary color to go with <laughs> because they do seem to go with red, blue, and yellow quite a lot. And they went with yellow for this wallpaper. But there's a very famous short story called The Yellow um... Wallpaper. And Jen, have yes, you read I have. it? Tommy, you haven't read it, right? I... It sounds familiar, but I, I don't think I have, no. Okay, so The Yellow Wallpaper is a very famous uh, American short story published in 1892 by, get this, Charlotte, Charlotte <laughs> Perkins <Shut> Gilman. <laughs> uh, that that was more of a joke than anything. <laughs> but it's a... Um, pretty renowned short story and and a lot of criticism revolves around how it's like an early feminist piece and it's a very simple plot i actually really enjoy the style of its writing it's written in a journal um format where this woman um she and her husband go to this mansion to get away she has had um some slight medical problems related to 
quote-unquote hysteria or hysterical tendencies. And her husband is a doctor, and everyone around her is, like, telling her what to do. Like, oh, you can't write. You can't do this. You just need to rest. You just need rest. And it's a bunch of people telling her what she needs to do. And in this mansion, she decides that she is going to stay in what was the nursery. And this nursery is a part of this mansion, and it has this yellow wallpaper. And strangely the like windows are barred and it just has this prison like atmosphere which when i saw this that's immediately what i thought of um but she continually in her journals the 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 style of this short story is, is a lot of journals and she says like the color is repellent almost revolting a smoldering unclean yellow strangely faded by the slow turning sunlight um, and she describes the strange shapes. Here, there are always new shoots of the fungus, new shades of yellow all over it. I cannot keep count of them, though I've tried um, conscientiously. Um, and <laughs> it, it's such a strange yellow. It makes me think of all the yellow things I n- ever saw. Not beautiful ones like buttercups, but old, foul, bad yellow things. And she even describes that the whole room smells yellow. And she com- becomes completely obsessed with being trapped within this yellow room. But then she gets to a point where in this almost like Stockholm syndrome sense, she begins to like be obsessed with the yellow wallpaper and she starts picking at the yellow wallpaper. And in her delusion, she sees this woman circling the room behind the yellow wallpaper and she's constantly circling around it. And so she fakes to her husband and to her sister that she's fine, everything's fine, and they're about to leave. But eventually she locks the door. She starts tearing off the wallpaper to let this woman escape from outside of the wallpaper to be able to finally be free. And then once her husband eventually gets into the room, she's the one who is circling around the wallpaper, and she has become that woman who she has set free. Hmm. And... A lot of the criticism revolving the story is focused on, okay, everyone is trying to control her, and she kind of finally sets herself free. But I immediately thought of this story because, I mean, yellow wallpaper, but how this whole room is the trap. The whole room is the the kind of, and in a way, the bunker is a microcosm of Winden where the kids who are here, they're trapped within this and they're used and they are within this cycle. And Wyndon itself in these two alternate timelines are trapped as well. And I don't know if this was just a a slight hint to that, but it was definitely something that I made a connection to. Mm -hmm. Um, But just a small thought about actually really good old short story. Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend it if you, it's like a 10 minute read. But Neat. yeah, yeah, I definitely haven't read that. That's good. It's it's just similar yeah. good. I'm gonna make my students read that this year. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I haven't nice. done it for a couple because years. Of dark? No, I usually do it. I just haven't done it for a couple oh. of years. Like when I do like Story oh, cool. of an Hour by Kate Chopin and things like that. Mm. That is a really good mm. one. Um. I was vacillating because I wanted to do one of two things and maybe, I don't know. I think one is too long. I think we need to need to have like a lit 
after after dark thing because I want to ask you guys a question that I feel like will just be far too long for this episode. Um, I'll throw it out there at the end. Um, I I just wanted to come to a like I was hoping when I watched the last episode of season three that I could come back to one of those things I was grappling with along the way. And, you know, obviously there was a thread of color. um, There was the thread of character motivation. And one of the things that I was really starting to wonder about in season three was just what on earth is either the show arguing for, kind of like what you were saying, Tommy, with the thesis of the show, but I think I'm stepping outside of that a little bit or a lot. I'm not sure. Um, uh, From season one, episode one to season three, episode eight, was there a like holistic thread connection that I felt like they were trying to convey a particular message and I was fixating on nuclear power for so long and I'm like what are they trying to say about nuclear power and it (laughs) just felt less and less important the more this went on um but I remember I was telling a friend about watching the show and she kept asking me like should I watch it should I watch it and I was like no it is mentally exhausting like I cannot recommend it for the season of life that she's in and the season of life that we're in like this is just too hard to enjoy during the summer wondrous quarantine yes great Mm -hmm. but since life went chaos not so much um but i was thinking about how when we started watching season one or when i did um I was also confused. Like, I felt like the show was so hard to keep track of all the characters, to understand fully what was going on. And I remember the first few episodes, the thing I was grappling with the most is like, who the heck is a Doppler? Who the heck is a Nielsen? Who's a Conwald? Um, Man, those summer <laughs> early days. Who knew? And I remember just the character maps you were making, Josh. And I'm like, okay, wait, who's that again? And... I felt like when I started watching the show without, you know, obviously not, or I'm going to leave out the time travel thread was I felt like the show is so good because it's about these four families and I'm getting into these family dynamics and these relationships and these characters and I'm so invested. And I felt like in season one, especially with Mikkel's disappearance being the huge catalyst for all of this was families fighting to stay together, even though affairs are happening, even though dad's got a big secret, even though, you know, whatever. It was about this small town and these families and that we cared about them and that there was something in spite of how flawed they were, in spite of how maybe many poor decisions they made um, or how single-minded they were in particular pursuits. I felt like there was still something in that family dynamic. And it wasn't until I finished episode eight and I was more fixated on the Jonas Martha thread, obviously, um, those scenes were most significant to me, that I started reflecting back on Tanhouse and just this family, like, I don't know, in your face message of this is what we 
fight for, live for, um, is maybe more of a driving force in our lives that has the deepest, greatest impact, um, can destroy us, can enliven us, um, causes us the greatest grief, you know, just all these things you can say, but it made me accept that story more so when I was realizing that that's what made me love this show in the beginning. And that's what drew me in. And that's how it's now ending. And it's like book ended to me in this, like, let's elevate this familial entity. And I know there's many other important things, but that's just what stood out to me. And that's part of my like, oh, this episode is my heart home. Like, I loved it. It gave me the (laughs) catharsis that I needed because it was less dark and bleak. And I feel like the light existed in these families and their um, attempt to stay connected with one another, even though, again, everything's dark and they are again, all made bad decisions. And a lot of them had bad family histories or whatever. I get all that. Mm -hmm. But if we just go from beginning to end and end to beginning, I think that there was something there for us to take from that. And again, it's me going back and saying, okay, now I'm going to watch all three seasons again. And one maybe more fell swoop and really hone in on that more or be open to noticing things I didn't notice the first time around. I definitely agree that that's kind of what they were going for. I, man, even you just talking about season one the best makes me long <laughs> for know. that. And I was thinking as you were talking, we, the first two seasons most of the show is just one dimension. Mm-hmm. And then in the last season, we get two yeah. more. And all you can really do is plot at that yeah. point. And I almost wish for a show where it was more, it was just one dimension. It was still focused on the same concepts of fate, free will, suffering. But it was more focused on the family. <laughs> Because that those moments are the best moments. The the moment when Jonas is saying goodbye to Hannah mm-hmm. and uh, like the moment where Ulrich and Mick, mm-hmm. like there's just so many great, wonderful, longing moments that we just have to be so quick in season three yeah. to give you the information. And like Tommy was saying, the family moment with, Tanhouse at the end, I wanted to know more about Tanhouse in previous seasons to make this have more of yeah. a payoff. I wanted to I, we we get a little touch of like oh they got pushed off the bridge, but that's really it. And and the times that it's brought up, it seems apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when we learn about that the first time, Charlotte just comes in upset about something, and he's like, "It's finally time that you know," and it's like, why? <laughs> Because we're deep in season two and we need to drop this thread here. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I agree. I, I, seasons one and two are probably some of the most unmitigated pieces of masterpiece television I have ever watched. 
And I wish that we could have spent the time and the care in these new ideas with, you know, the, the, this alternate reality and this, et cetera, or, or, or like you said, Josh, gone in a different direction where the story just stays smaller because that's really what drew me to the show. Yeah. At the end, I am, I am satisfied. I would say I am pleased with where it has ended and I will happily rewatch the Mm -hmm. show at this point. But yeah, I mean, that seasons one and two might honestly be close to without fault. I think yeah. they were great. Season three, yes. season three is where I start to see some cracks. Yeah. And I'm, I wonder, honestly, if like they wanted there to be more episodes and they just couldn't. I'm, well, we can go research this now. <laughs> we can now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a tendency for Netflix to nix shows after the third season. So maybe they were like, well, we have this whole thing with threes. So let's let's get it done. <laughs> And I got to say, I am very intrigued about 1899, which is their next show that they're creating for Netflix. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. I am all aboard. I don't know what it is. Yeah, they said it's going to be more of a horror genre. Sure. When does it come out? I don't know. I've I've heard about it, but I haven't been looking into it for fear of spoilers. (laughs) We should contact netflix and ask to be the official podcast for it yeah <laughs> i i recently have gone back onto twitter to kind of check what people are talking about and there have been people talking about how the creators of the show do really enjoy watching people's um kind of like reviews and their reactions to the final season Ooh. so if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for making the show. It was great. Yeah. What an experience. Uh, Jenna, are you going to say your final thing? Uh, you said you were going to pose a question I to was us. Just, you kind of already entertained it a bit, and I was trying to narrow it in. I was just curious because you both had such a negative reaction to this episode initially. Um, I don't want to go all the way back to the beginning of season three, because honestly, the first two episodes of season three, I was super intrigued. I was like, I see this going good places. I agree. Um, If you could have changed or written this episode yourself, what would you have, like, how would you have wanted it to go down? Or what did you, what did you need to be more satisfied upon your first viewing? (laughs) it's not oh, it's not I, even this sorry. episode before you even say that let's make it clear if either one of us had written this final episode it would be worse i'm not even saying it's better that's, that's also i'm true. just asking like what would you have needed to see in it written by the original Josh, writers <laughs> and it's not even an issue with this episode for me it is more like i was mentioning just the kind of arc before this episodes six and seven like where we got to this point because all of the the main plot points and the main ideas in this are okay but again like i would care a lot more about tan house if we were given more i would like to have seen 
more of Adam and his transformation to kind of see the significance of his change. It it did feel just ever so slightly rushed to get to this point. It felt like they had to have the final episode be the whole the whole episode about the true timeline, and I feel like they had to put a lot in and they spent time on things that I might have not spent time on. So maybe more than change, you would have just said, give me more episodes. <laughs> and that's kind of where I am too, is coming from season three, episode seven saying you have one more episode. Oh geez. I don't know what I would have done differently. Cause ultimately, you know, I am satisfied, but like, what did I want to know? I mean, I mentioned a lot of things that I wanted. Is that really achievable in one episode in a legitimate way? Who knows? Season three, episode seven was something like that, right? Where it tried to rush through a lot of different things and like give you a lot of knowledge. And yeah. I think we all generally found that pretty unsatisfying. Yeah. And so I think I might've found that unsatisfying in a final episode as well. But I don't know if I needed more episodes necessarily, but maybe just changing the focus like we've talked yeah. about and, and kind of like Josh just said about, you know, give me more time with these characters to really care about them. I, that's why I was so, like I said, so baffled by in the beginning was why Tanhouse? We know almost nothing about him. We have not spent this show getting to know the intricacies of who this person is and how he feels and what he desires and what affects him. And so to to put the weight of the show on his shoulders felt so like, oh, you're you're like you're taking the torch from Jonas and you're handing it to this guy like i, I don't know I, I think that was my main disappointment and so i agree with josh more time to really care about Tanhouse. let me more than just like this little argument at the end of you know right before he's supposed to drive off the bridge build up Tanhouse being you know a dad who loves his son but is just kind of a crappy dad mm. like w- let me see that happen more in the same way that we grew with Ulrich and saw how he really loves his kids but is just bad at being a husband and a father and like the realness of that that's what I really would have wanted to see and one thing that I think of is in I believe it was 307 where we do get to see Tanhouse building his machine why not drop some of these moments prior to this? Because we see him post-funeral. I almost want to just see more. I, I just want to see... And it was skipping around so much. Why not show a little bit more about what happened to mom, what happened with everything leading up to this point? It, it, I... I want to be more invested because I like Tanhouse, but yeah. I don't feel like I've been given enough. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually in terms of like liking characters or not, I felt like when I got to the origin world, even the first time, I feel like I've hated Hannah so much, but I like didn't harbor any of that for this version of her. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, I felt like I didn't true. even know yeah. her. So it's interesting how much of a clean start that last few minutes gave us. <laughs> well, because she doesn't have, the desire of Ulrich to make her make these terrible decisions her whole entire life. Maybe she <laughs> is a much better person. Yeah, maybe she's just actually real friends with Katarina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, secretly, they've been fighting all over Voller. No. <laughs> Did we ever get a clear answer? Sorry. 
I'll bring this up later. I, there's no later. Did we ever get a clear answer to who gave the letter to Clausen, by the way? Do we just no. assume it was the three who were one at some point sent that or Claudia sent it at some point? Yeah. Okay. And speaking of, we are, we, there is quite a number of still in the dark. There are, yeah. We will never that get you would want to mention? Just the things that we've already mentioned. You mentioned the whole Bowler's Eye, Clausen, Alexander. Those are the big ones. Uh, there's other smaller moments that we've kind of talked about, but there's the hallucinations come up in my mind for both Jonas and Martha when they're first at the caves and they see, well, Martha sees the alternate version of herself. I guess those were just the bleeding of the dimensions in their conscience. I'm not sure. Yeah. That's the other thing is I feel like so much time has passed. Like I watched it and then two weeks later I watched it again. (laughs) And so I'm wondering if just more time happened and I'm forgetting all the things Mm. that like I really wanted to know and I'm more open to kind of less information and more like thematic work being done. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it, guys. Any final things to say? It's been fun. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Making this podcast was definitely an experience. And thank you so much for coming along the ride with us. We will see you next time for our next steps, question mark. Will Jen watch Jurassic Park? (laughs) Is Tommy secretly into Gilmore Girls? Will Josh make us watch Twin Peaks? No. (laughs) Find out out next time, if it happens, on Lit After Dark. And remember, keep it lit. If you like this podcast, please give us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We may be reading some more reviews out in the future. If you'd like, you can email us at litafterdarkpod at gmail.com with questions or comments. That's L-I-T-A-F-T-E-R-D-A-R-K pod at gmail.com. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at litafterdarkpod. Thank you to Luke Van for our theme song. You can follow his work on YouTube. That's Luke Van with two N's. joke that joke about Gilmore girls is actually not 100 percent fake netflix has this new thing where you can click like shuffle and like show me yeah. something and kelsey and i clicked it and gilmore girls came up and i was like i never watched this show but i watched an episode and i was like Guys, okay i could be on board with gilmore girls let's do a gilmore girls podcast unfortunately there's already the gilmore guys so i don't know how well this would go over but oh <laughs> yeah. really oh that's that's Good SEO right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Tell I just have Groundhog Day stuck in there. <laughs> I would do a podcast on Groundhog Day. <laughs> I mean, once we start Watch our... Watch that first step. It's a doozy. Oh, <laughs> I miss Bill Murray. He's still alive, right? Yes. No, okay. I just haven't watched anything with him 